Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Today, President Biden visited a vaccination site at a seminary in Alexandria, Virginia, and Pops Joe did not waste any time laying on some confusing charm. Just don't ask me to play the piano or the organ. I can't. <laughs> don't know how. My father would say I have no talent at all. My dad used to play the saxophone, had a band when he was in high school. He'd look at me and say, Joey, I don't know where you came from. He said, you have two left feet, you can't dance. You can't carry a tune in a wheelbarrow. And then he's saying, you have no lip to play a reed instrument. But, you know, so I had to become president. You know, I also do. I mean this with respect and admiration. I don't know if he knows where he is right now. <laughs> Tell you, my pops used to say, Joey, get yourself a nice saxophone. Somebody will be with you in your old age. Make sure it has tennis shoes on two of its feet. Make them left. <laughs> Who smells toast? Oh, wow. 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 That was far right wing comedian Stephen Colbert. Colbert laughing about, I don't know if the president knows where he is right now. Wow. I'm wow. sorry. I got I got I'm reeling. Has he been here. going with that theme, do you know, Sean? You follow that sort of thing? I mean, yeah, that's kind of his the, the the his impression of Biden is he throws on the aviators and he does kind of hey, hey Jack and then just gets lost in his own sentences. He says Jack. Well, yeah, as well he should. Get your words straight, Jack. <laughs> so uh, that's something. And, and 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 by the way, how how cruel a bastard was Biden's old man? You got two left feet. You can't dance. You can't carry a tune in a wheelbarrow. You got no lip for the saxophone. Your hands are no good for drumming. You couldn't play an accordion with those sucky, sucky elbows. <laughs> and Corn Pop was a bad dude. You can't excel well enough to play a kazoo. I hate you, son. I hate you. <laughs> I mean, why didn't he just say it? I don't know. It was the... 1915. I don't know. It was a different parenting style. Yeah, I guess you had to toughen up your kids to go fight the Kaiser. <laughs> so is Corn Pop his father? Oh, wait a and minute. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Wait a minute, Michael. I believe you have uncovered the Shakespearean, the uh, Oedipal truth behind Biden. Corn Pop was his father. Mm. Wow. I've got a story from Bloomberg News who reports on business. The headline is, Bleisure Time Catches On All Across America. Bleisure. I know Joe's a big fan of combining words. That sounds stupinteresting. <laughs> <laughs> Will you eat an outrageous bar or does that rub you the wrong way? It sounds intrigidiotic. Intrigidiotic. <laughs> I tried to read the article and I didn't get very far before I just I lost something. So to you do. just wanted to taunt me with a combined something word. to do with business and leisure combining. Leisure. Yeah, right. <laughs> Everything doesn't need a name. I don't know. Yeah, I You're know. working from home. You spend a good solid hour on the report. Then you go for a walk with the dog. You don't have to give that a name. Oh, boy, that's funny. Um, Lindsey Graham's on fire today, Senator from North Carolina, South Carolina, I'm sorry. He said, I think it's now time to shut down our immigration system and have a timeout. 
what they've done by abolishing the uh, in uh, the Remain in Mexico policy, people are released into the country. We've got a mess. I, I've heard a couple people say that now. Let's just stop everything. Announce we've stopped, and then you know, kind of like talk this over. That seems like a good idea. Yes, it does. I mean, for goodness sakes, whatever is happening now has to be stopped immediately. The humanitarian nightmare going on on the border, if you're not you know, following this, is just crazy. The cartels are moving people and a lot of children north by the tens of thousands and just throwing them in the desert. I um, also uh, saw it pointed out yesterday, the vice president, Kamala Harris, who was tasked with running the whole border situation has not had a press conference or anything on it. And it's been going on three weeks. You would think if you give the vice president that job, within a few days, she would announce what the priorities are, you know, what the current situation is, what their goals are, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's been a couple of weeks now and not nothing. Well, then Isn't that was weird. That, that weird pivot to, well, we're putting her in charge of the uh, the diplomacy. With the Northern Triangle, the Central American uh, countries, to see what can be done. But not a single word about any meetings or high-level consultations or, or programs or anything. It's like she disappeared. I wonder how she feels about leisure. If I had a moment to ask her something, it wouldn't be that. You know, Mark Stein was on fire last night. As long as we're talking about the border, let's play clip number 70, Sean. For some reason, many apparently sensible persons, viewers of CNN and listeners to NPR and readers of the New York Times, think that the government of the United States being industrial-scale enablers of some of the most evil people on the planet is somehow progressive and compassionate. It's not. Uh, There's nothing kind about incentivizing human trafficking, which, by the way, is merely a synonym for slavery. And the same people who want to tear down a statue if the guy's family had a plantation 300 years ago are all cool with the global trade in human beings of the 21st century. That's pretty good stuff. Because yeah. Biden and company couldn't say. Some of Trump's stuff was over the top. Some of it was all right, though, in terms of uh, the border. Uh, so we're going to try to refine the policies. No, because that's not going to get people to the polls. That's not dumb enough for American politics. You have to scream, they're racist, everything they're doing is racist, and we're going to undo everything they're doing. Well, the cartels get the Internet. They understand that means the the welcome light is on, and so they hurl people, but tens of thousands, up against the border wall with the resulting chaos and ugliness that we have. Oh, that reminds me, Senator Tim Scott, who I absolutely love, speaking of South Carolinians, um, is, is talking about uh, political correctness and all sorts of stuff as a black man. And uh, I, I thought he really brought it. To, we'll, we'll bring you that a little bit later this hour. Have you ever done peyote? I, uh, th- this is being aired, sir. Actually, the answer to that is no. I don't really know what it is. It's, I just... Uh, no, that's a, it's a hallucinogen. It's uh, naturally derived. The, the Indian tribes views peyote for Homer did it thousands the, of years. Homer did it in the Simpsons movie. <laughs> yeah. About never, all I know about peyote. No, never, never made that uh, trip. Well, they're not discussing that being legal or GHB. That'd be the growth hormone. But a whole bunch of other stuff they are discussing in California making legal. Uh, psychedelic drugs legal. An Army veteran made his case to lawmakers yesterday in California about how it has helped him so much after his PTSD um, serving in uh, Afghanistan. And he came back, and it's gotten him back to normal. So, 
Yeah, there are really interesting experiments also with uh, psilocybin, the active ingredient in mushrooms. They mentioned that mushrooms. one? Yeah. Um, they mentioned mescaline? Yeah, I, I think that's totally legitimate. And they ought to be you know, doing whatever experiments might help our guys and gals who've suffered from that. Not to mention, I'm talking about our, our military people, but you know, a lot of people have suffered from traumatic things that have messed up their heads. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of which, I had no intention on talking about this, but it's it's kind of an obvious uh, opportunity. Uh, both my wife and I are taking a break from alcohol uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, partly weight, honestly. It's a lot of calories. <laughs> um, and 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 the second thing is, I became. Do you aware- drink um, what is that ice cream with rum in it year round? Uh, eggnog. The- That's your only drink, right? Eggnog. <laughs> Middle of summer. Ice cream oh with God. rum? That's how you describe eggnog? <laughs> I was, although, I was like, wait a minute, there's an ice cream full of rum? <laughs> Maybe it's time to end the little the little break. And I, I'm just going to, I'm a drinking man. Um, and I say this to my fellow drinking men and drinking women. Um, I'm really glad we're doing this because... I and I'm and, and one of my things is always be honest with myself and sometimes that's really hard but I've come to realize I use alcohol as a numbing agent and the problem with that is if you have an issue that you ought to be solving you won't solve it when you're numb it has to gnaw at you enough that you put out the energy to do something about it and so I'm going to end the speech there. If you, like me, kind of numb that emotional toothache instead of going to the emotional dentist, if you will, <laughs> doing what it takes to fix the problem. The emotional dentist. Yeah. Just just be honest with yourself that that's what you're doing. So how long and, are you taking end a break? Of speech. Well, our plan is two weeks. Uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm really liking it. How many days oh. into it are you? A few. Uh, I will tell you this, uh, it's harder to get to sleep because when you're bombed, I mean, you're just, there you go, you're out. (laughs) I was going to say, when do you miss it most, playing golf or afternoon or first thing out of bed? (laughs) When I'm sober. When I'm I'm talking to a boring person. High five, Sean, you're too far. I'm reaching in. High five. Um, Doctor, when I'm, you know what? I make jokes about that. Now I can remember my problems. I miss it most when I remember my problems. As soon as somebody says, I have to deal with them. As somebody says, that reminds me of the time I, and then I think I wish I had a drink right now. (laughs) You people are so dull. You're so dull. I wish I could drink. Other people just listen to this, huh? (laughs) Other people straight up listen to this. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> Other people enjoy listening to it. That's what's most amazing. <sighs> I was uh, I was rereading just a chunk of Jeff Tweedy of uh, the band Wilco's autobiography last night as I was trying to go to sleep, and he mentioned completely how, sober going to sleep. Yes, hundred percent. And he was talking about how bad he is at small talk, which is something that I have in common with him. And and it's it's it makes me sad because that seems to be the way people bond. And maybe I would like to bond, but I'm terrible at small talk. And and he said he just he gets to places, and people say, "Hey, hey, how are the Cubs doing? Or what do you think of the Cubs this year?" And he said, "All my answer is saying is I'm a normal male human. I'm a normal male human. We're not exchanging any information. There are no ideas here. It's just and I want to talk about, you know, all the Cubs are going to be dead someday." Rizzo, the other guy, the guy with the goatee, someday they will die. 
And where do you think we go when we die? But nobody wants to talk about that sort of stuff. So it's just the, the curse of being a weirdo, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the curse of being a weirdo. In, in, in short words, simple words. I'm a simple man. Yes? So there are a couple of people that are running for president, uh, Republicans. It's pretty well known now. It seems very clear that Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, is running for president. Point of order, Mr. Chairman. When are they running for president? In 2024. But <clears throat> the race starts in 2022, and it is 2021. We don't, we don't have to talk about it. But another guy that a lot of people think is running for president, I mean, it's being reported that he's talking to folks, is uh, Tim Scott, the oh. um, the senator from South Carolina, and he said some good stuff yesterday. We'll play for you coming up. Armstrong and Getty. talk about the 2024 presidential race i'll tell you that although i did think it was interesting that mike pompeo the secretary of state under trump is visiting iowa visited iowa and new hampshire last week hmm, and they're then, both nice states uh, great places to vacation and then tweeted out one day 4362 or something like that and it took people a while to figure out that there was the exact number of days until the 2024 presidential election mm, so a subtle hint yeah, so he's clearly running, and um, the other name that I heard thrown around over the weekend was uh, Tim Scott, the uh, the black guy s- senator from South Carolina. Um, that you know, I re- I mentioned he's black because that'd be that'd play an interesting part in the whole thing. Yeah, well, he has been called so many loathsome names, which I think he mentions, but. Uh... Uh, love Tim Scott. I have a great deal of respect for him. We don't have a ton of time, so let's uh, let's run what he was saying the other day, and then we'll comment. Virtue signaling is to pretend to love. It's pretending to care. It's not actually caring, though. It's, there's no manifestation of what you say you do. Uh, it's the old saying that if you love me, you keep my commandments. If you love me, I will know it by your actions, not just by your words. Virtue signaling is like words that are hollow, that, that you can literally hear an echo in the words. That's not good. That's bad. And as I sat here thinking about it, what we want is a culture that is sustainable, that says that we see the challenges of the past. We're going to make sure that we chart a different course for the future, but we're not going to do so by flipping the script, the script, so to speak, and, and simply doing to others what they did to us. It, no, that, that's not the right way to go about it. What's really right is to hate what is wrong. That means I will no longer participate, practice, or, or, or turn a blind eye to something that was wrong, even in my, even in me, or even in my company or my organization. It, it means looking first within to see how my organization is doing, how, how, what's my friend circle look like? What am I doing to make sure that things will be better going into the future than they have been in the past? That's where I start. It starts with me. Virtue signaling says it doesn't really start with me. It just starts with my words for you. True transformation, holding tightly to what is good, starts with me. It means that I have to do something that makes this world a better place. It's what I strive to do as a legislator. It's what I strive to do as a Christian. It's what I strive to do as a, a human. It's so important that I get it right that getting it right means that I can build 
a sustainable culture of transformation where those who've been victimized in the past will be victims no longer. They will be victors. It means that I will do the things necessary to be inclusive in my approach to your well-being, to my well-being, because it's in our mutual best interest. It's not pretending to care. I can't think of anything worse than pretending to care. Hmm. Tim Scott was also talking the other day about the moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta, which has made me crazy. And he pointed out, among other things, that the, the voting uh, requirements in Colorado are uh, the same or stricter or, you know, they're, they're incredibly comparable to Georgia. They're practically the same. And then he also pointed out that Atlanta is 51% black, Denver 9% black, and moving the All-Star game is going to devastate the stadium workers, all the local businesses in that area that are overwhelmingly black. And he's uh, he says uh, the MLB is voting the All-Star game out of ATL, which has more voting rights than Colorado. The wokes are at it again, folks. He's also talked about he is constantly hammered with Uncle Tom, House N, um, just called the most horrible names constantly. You get somebody says something slightly mean about AOC. It's on the cover of the New York Times. He's hammered with horrible epithets from the left constantly. He's an impressive man. Be an interesting matchup as a presidential candidate. Oh yeah, it uh, it would that'd be fun to follow. See how it turns out. Anyway. Uh, more on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It is reassuring to see that... Uh, for-profit operations and businesses are speaking up about how these new Jim Crow laws are just antithetical to who we are. I think it's a very tough decision for a corporation to make. New Jim Crow laws, you say. I highly recommend the opinion piece in USA Today today. Uh, You can go online and check it out. I thought it was pretty well balanced. It beats up Republicans for claiming Georgia was a fraudulent election. Back on back in November, um, but then also beats up on the other side for claiming that this is worse than Jim Crow because it's n- not even within a thousand miles of that. Boy, that's uncharacteristic for the USA Today. I'd like to know who wrote that, but uh, we'll post that for you at armstrongandgetty.com in the next few minutes. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. There's been so little of that. To call the Georgia voting laws Jim Crow laws is obscene in half a dozen different ways and if you didn't hear it I believe Jack it was the first segment of hour number two I think when you were talking about correct uh Jim Crow laws two or three two two got the memory of Joe Biden okay great uh so yeah a description of what the Jim Crow laws actually were and how it is unforgivable to compare Georgia's new, perfectly reasonable, very like the Colorado laws, very like New York, very like Delaware, which happen to be where the baseball all-star game's going, where Major League Baseball is headquartered, and Joe Biden's home state, Georgia's law, very comparable to those. And to compare it to Jim Crow is just, oh my God, it's obscene. That was a nightmare period of horrifying violence and racism. It's it's like you can't throw around, you know, this this something trivial is as bad as the Holocaust. People jump down your throat, and they probably should. 
Yet Biden's getting away with it. Anyway, uh, Faye Vincent, who used to be the commissioner of Major League Baseball, wrote an editorial for the Wall Street Journal, came out today, uh, Rob Manfred's all-star error. Manfred, the current Major League Baseball commissioner, who in knee-jerk fashion moved the all-star game out of Atlanta. <clears throat> Here's what Faye Vincent said, and it's really good. I wish we had here, him here to read it. Major League Baseball decided last week to move the All-Star game out of Atlanta after the Georgia legislature passed changes to the state's voting laws that many, including President Biden, called racist. Activists urged Commissioner Robert Manfred to punish Georgia. By rushing to do so without first protesting the substance of the law, Mr. Manfred made a serious mistake. And by the way, I've never heard a former commissioner criticizing the current one. Mm -mm. Not that I recall. Anyway, the use of muscle or financial power to influence policy is an ancient tactic, and he goes into how boycotts gets, got started. It was 19th century Ireland. But anyway, he says a boycott is generally an act of desperation. The original one was largely unsuccessful. Organizations like Major League Baseball have sometimes participated in public debates over policy. Moving directly to an economic sanction suggests that Mr. Manfred believed the Georgia law required drastic intervention. But consider what he didn't do. He didn't lo- limit the number of home games the Atlanta Braves will play. He'd need the approval of the Players Union to do that, and the Braves owner would surely resist. To move the site of the All-Star game is one thing. To ignore union and ownership powers is quite another. The Midsummer All-Star game is an exhibition that benefits only the city where it's played. It was reported Tuesday morning that Denver will be the new host. The players will get paid no matter where the game takes place. Major League Baseball will get the same television revenue. The only people hurt by Mr. Manfred's decision will be Atlanta's stadium workers and local vendors. And, you know, again, it bears mentioning... uh, Atlanta has five times as a percentage, six times, the black population. Anyway, Faye Vincent goes on to write, The talk shows and editorial pages are full of questions. What is the basis for acting so forcefully against Georgia? If Georgia is racist, how can baseball talk of doing business with China? Mr. Manfred failed to spell out specific criticisms of Georgia's voting law. Now he's put himself in the awkward position of having to defend Colorado's voting laws. During my time as commissioner, I learned that American people view baseball as a public trust. They want the game to stand for the best and noblest of our noble, our national virtues. They see baseball as the repository of their dreams, even as they root for their favorite teams. They don't want and won't accept anything that separates them from the game's history and leadership. Major League Baseball cannot become a weapon in the culture wars, a hostage for one political party or ideology. It can't be only for the rich or the poor, nor can it be only for one race as it was until 1947. Baseball must always stand above politics and its dark elements of corruption, greed, and sordid selfishness. It can't go wrong by standing for national greatness. The situation calls to mind the 2006 Duke lacrosse case. Mm. When many erred, like Mr. Manfred has here, by leaping to a conclusion based on assumptions rather than carefully considering the facts. I've done the same thing in my life, much to my regret. And much rides on Mr. Manfred's shoulders, so he must be prudent. Perhaps he sees now how complicated these issues can become. I wish him well. I thought the comparison to the Duke lacrosse case was a really good one. So do you think there are more (laughs) shoes to drop on this, or just... Is it is it over? Because not that many people pay attention to where the All Star Game is played. No, uh, it is extremely hot in conservative America. I will tell you that because a hell of a lot of us are baseball fans. The reality in American life right now is that it's very it's very hard to get anything done um, 
fueled by public opinion unless you have a substantial share of the media. Maybe not even half, but you got to have 35% of the legacy drive-by media, or it's very hard for the, the wave of opinion to get big enough to, to you know, crest and, and break successfully. So I'm not optimistic. It should. It absolutely should. Rob Manfred should come out today and say, I made a mistake. I reacted to what I heard. I heard the president say these laws were mm. worse than Jim Crow. And I took his word, and I'm sorry for it, because I've looked at Georgia's election laws. I've looked at Colorado's election laws. I've looked at the laws in New York, where Major League Baseball is headquartered. And I've realized that while you may not agree with Georgia's election laws, they are not nearly as terrible as they were described. Uh, I would like to announce again with regret that the Atlanta Braves will host the All-Star Game this year. Mr. Manfred, if you'd like to take a transcript of the show and just read it aloud and get back to sanity, feel free. So, and, and, and can I get some tickets? I don't get modern art, and I think a lot of it is a sham. But uh, here was a $400,000 painting that was on display. And it was some sort of weird modern artness where it's just a bunch of scriggly painting on a wall. I would not pay $400,000 for art unless it included the password to a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. <laughs> um, this particular art uh, included paint buckets and paint brushes in front of the wall of, like, Jackson Pollock-style art. I mean, it's just... Like painted. splatter painting. Yeah, splatter yeah. painting. Okay. Um, a couple showed up and for some reason thought that it was a... Like, one of those murals that... People are supposed to come along and participate in adding to or something because oh. there were buckets and paintbrushes. Oh, oh boy. And but that was start... part of the art. Okay. That was part of the $400,000 art display. And oh they my. picked up the brushes and just went to painting on it. There. <laughs> I fixed it. It needs more uh, red. That's funny. <laughs> There's no direction. Wow. Of course, did they make it worse or better? How would you know? Um, they drew a smiley face on it. You know, the penis. <laughs> are, are most people familiar with Jackson Pollock style art that uh, so. the, the, just the drips on a thing? Maybe you saw the movie or or whatever. Um, I wasn't I wasn't aware of this until I got on on my um, Andy Warhol kick and I was reading a bunch of books about art through the 20th century and that sort of thing. So art had been pretty much exactly the same for like a thousand years. It was uh, pictures of uh, Madonna and baby and Jesus and kings bowls and queens and bowls of fruit <laughs> and, and people in ruffled sleeves. And it had been almost yeah. exactly the same forever. You had one Picasso who was like, what is that? And then everything else was the... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then there's yeah. a little uh, uh, break away from that. And uh, the the Jackson Pollock splatter thing came along, and, and, and he and others, a lot of critics at the time, thought this would be the next thousand years of art. And huh. it lasted like 15 years. And everybody looks back on it for the most part and thinks it's just dumb, <laughs> including like art critics, like smart ah. people, not just me. Yeah, so I don't some, read about that stuff ever, so I would have no idea. I, I didn't know that. No, so it was a weird overreaction to everything being so particular, and uh, and uh, rich people paid for art existing, so artists knew they had to pay that sort of crap to please rich people. It's the only right. way you're going to ever sell anything. Recency, recency bias might be my favorite of all human kind of yeah. preconditioner, which is, oh, this this thing, that oh, this is this is how it will always be. Right, and this, this is the biggest thing that's ever happened. Not the that, apex. Never getting better than what I just saw right now. Yeah, yeah. whether you're talking about that or LeBron James, yeah. it's just, yeah. 
Well, I'm much more familiar with music criticism, as you know, and I've said many times when the revolution comes, music critics will be first up against the wall because they are absolutely the worst human beings, <laughs> short of, I don't know, the Chinese communists and various, uh, you know, uh, torturers and criminals. But, yeah, just the pretension of it, just any art criticism, music criticism, I, even, like, I appreciate, like, a good movie reviewer who understands that uh, don't review King Kong versus Godzilla like you're reviewing you whatever, some uh, French art film where people smoke and look at each other. <laughs> it's for a completely different audience. I'm still threatening to do a, a music podcast where I interview uh, various uh, musicians and songwriters I admire. What's stopping you? I don't know. I don't know. Just me, my personality. You're spending too much time on your leisure. I'm a coward. Back to leisure. <laughs> it's what half business, half leisure, leisure during business, business and leisure. It's coming up with a better business leisure balance. I think is what leisure is. Why do you have to combine them? How busy know. am I in this scenario? <laughs> I have time. Say both words. And it has to do with coming out of the pandemic and people being used to being at home or something. They think leisure, according to. Business Insider or Bloomberg, wherever I came Work attire sucks. <laughs> Nobody likes it. It's possible work attire is gone forever. That sounds like Bushelblit to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I could change one thing about the radio, it'd be that we could say BS. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? I love that word. It's the perfect word. See, that's why I want to use it. The F-bomb is often just lazy, laziness, or it makes things funny. It intensifies them. But bullass is the perfect word. For describing what is bullcrap. What we've got coming up is not that. Uh, doctors believe they've pulled off what they call the holy grail of surgeries, once thought undoable. And this just out, the Biden administration has announced how much their tax hike is going to be to Here. pay for all the infrastructure stuff. So all that on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We're working with G20 nations to agree to a global minimum corporate tax rate that can stop the race to the bottom. Together, we can use a global minimum tax to make sure the global economy thrives based on a more level playing field. Well, that's over my head. That's Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, trying to uh, get a global corporate minimum going. Uh, That's an interesting idea, which would require a globalist government with enforcement powers, or some sort of treaty, I suppose. Mm. I mean, if it's all voluntary, go have at it. Uh, Just in, Joe Biden proposes $2.5 trillion in corporate tax hikes to fully pay for the infrastructure bills that he's going to get through. This year, he hopes, $2.5 trillion in corporate tax hikes. Wow, that's funny. I was just rereading the piece in Forbes uh, last day or two. If there's one thing that virtually all on- economists are united about, it's this. Corporations don't pay the corporate income tax. Who does? 
Well, I'll give you a very short version. Uh, why is that? A corporation is not a person. It's a relationship. A relationship between workers, managers, stockholders, consumers, and others. You can tax relationships, but relationships don't pay taxes. People do. The burden of tax must fall on the buyer, the seller, or both. In other words, it comes out of the, the pockets of the buyers of the product or service, and it comes out of reduced wages uh, among the workers. Yeah, that I, corporation. I saw one study, and, you know, I take all these with a grain of salt because I'm sure there are uh, counter studies. But this particular study showed that 70% of your corporate taxes will be paid by consumers and employees of those corporations. And I imagine the other 30% would be in reduced profits or reduced revenue, in short. Probably spread out over a bunch of different things. Yeah, but the idea that the big evil corporation is paying it, even if I concede that that study had, had some merit... The corporation pays a tiny bit, and the rest comes out of the pockets of consumers, and especially consumers who happen to work for that corporation. The corporate tax is a dodge to get more money to the government under the guise of, we're sticking it to the evil corporations. Speaking of things I don't know much about, uh, doctors claim they pulled off the holy grail of surgeries. I'd never heard that this was a challenge, but apparently... Head transplant. Well, that, <laughs> that, that will be the holy grail of surgeries. Head transplants, and I'm going to find me a good-looking young buck in the prime of life and get my head on him. Yes. me. I'm always assuming that me goes with the head. I I would agree. There's no way to know until after it happens, though. True. Well, the brain, Sean, the brain. What about the soul? Mm. Oh. I don't know. (laughs) But I'm me as long as the head goes, I think. Yeah, I think I think modern man would agree the soul is 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 either within the brain or something entirely apart from the body. Anyway, what they were calling the holy grail of surgeries that that was thought to be impossible is a tracheotomy transplant. That is your windpipe for all kinds of reasons of blood vessels and this and that. They thought it couldn't be done, and they've done it successfully, and think oh, that tra- they can do it in the future. Trachea transplant. Trachea, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, yeah, I was uh, doing what you often claim. Is a problem. Reading while talking. Reading I while know. talking. Uh, a trachea transplant. Your your windpipe. They 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 transplanted a windpipe from someone. I had no idea. Else. Like you, I had no idea that was that difficult. Man. I wouldn't have thought it was. They thought it was just because of the blood vessels and everything involved, just impossible. Such a huge leap forward. You know what it's going to lead to? What's your windpipe connect to? Huh? Your head. It's a step toward the head transplant. I, I thought you were going to say maybe a weaselly voice DJ could get a new Drakian Dialy. Get some good pipes. You know you want a happy ending from Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Final Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew, beginning with our technical director. He keeps us on the air, Michelangelo. Michael. Yeah, earlier we were talking about art, and um, I remember I cannot draw. I used to take art classes, and the teachers would look at me and say, why don't you at least try? And I I would say, I am trying. (laughs) Ouch. 
Uh, positive Sean, our producer. Sean has a final thought. Yeah, I possibly picked an awkward day to go sweat shirtless for my first day of the year working in the, the somewhat chilly studio because it's hard for me to realize, am I just chilly from lack of sweatshirt or is this the, the, the chills from the vax that I got that I got shot with the other day? Other than that, I'm feeling fine. You I got didn't... the one and done Johnson & Johnson. Oh, yeah. I never have to think about it again. Now I just got to wait a little bit and then bingo, bango, I'm flying all over the place. Oh, yeah. Go get them. Uh, Jack, you're the co-host for goodness sakes. Do you have a final thought? for us have you ever looked at the back of a truck like a semi truck and you notice that the uh the, the roll down door has got all these like diamond shapes all over it and everything like that they call it quilted yeah and look the next time you do it I saw an article of why that is it's to deflect the sunlight off into other directions so it doesn't shine back in your face when you're behind a truck i never knew that i didn't know that either there's nothing more blinding than when when the, the car in front of you the angle of the oh. back window is is exactly right it's just yeah yeah, it's awful. I ram them when they do that. <laughs> That's good. That's smart. You should. You know, I had a final thought, but I decided it was too gross. Okay. I don't know. It's restraint for once in my life, and uh, half of me uh, regrets it. But uh... <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. <sighs> the burden of the tax is not determined by who writes the check to the government. It's determined by how the market adjusts to the tax. In this case, the evidence is quite convincing. The burden falls on the workers. My final thought. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Poor burdened workers. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have all those great clicks for you under hot links. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Buy some A&G swag. It helps keep the guys on the payroll, would you please? We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. Goodbye, sweet America. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. So say it with me. See, say quadwe. I'm here live. I'm not a cat. Okay. We've reached a critical point. And so stupid. Except <laughs> I have serious concerns. This is not against the law. I think it's cheap. What an ignoramus oh, you are. Get off our show, fair weather idiot. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.